Welcome to the Ministry Collaborative Podcast. An ongoing conversation with ministry leaders about embracing complexity and uncertainty with joy and faithfulness. Hello, this is Mark Ramsey of the Ministry Collaborative, and today I get to talk with a relatively new friend and colleague, Misha Casas, uh, who's coming to us from Colorado. Hey there. Hi, Mark. Misha, tell us a little bit about your setting. Where are you and what are you doing right now? Right now, I'm in Denver, Colorado, and I am helping pastor a church called Westside Church Internacional. I'm the pastor of outreach and community care there. Could you just say a little bit about your background and how you came to Denver, how you came to faith, and how you came to ministry, in any order you want? <laughs> right. Sure. Well, I was born and raised in La Paz, Bolivia, the highest capital in the world, so... Just that gives you an idea when I moved to Denver and people were like, how are you doing with the altitude? I was like, this is so easy to me. I can breathe. I was biking to school at the time because I was going to seminary and I still didn't have a car when I first moved here. And it was like an hour biking, but I was thriving. <laughs> yeah, so I was born and raised in La Paz, Bolivia. Fun fact about me, I'm the only woman out of a lot of male cousins and two brothers. So wow. yeah, I'm the only girl. And I was the first Christian in my family. I became a Christian during my last year of college when I was going through a lot of insomnia and anxiety and whatnot, because for various reasons, I had to be the best student in my entire college in order to get education at that point. Mm. So that brought a lot of stress, obviously, and I wasn't being able to sleep. So one night I just started grabbing that old book that I thought no one had ever read the entire Bible. And I was like, maybe I will be the first one. So I just started. And long story short, that's how I converted it. Every night uh. I would just read chapter after chapter after chapter. And before the end of it, I had given my life to Jesus. I had no guidance. I, no one was discipling wow. me. I wasn't going to any church and no small group or anything. It was literally God, His Holy Spirit, His Word, me. And that's how I ended up giving my life to Jesus. Wow. Yeah, which makes a great point for Calvinism. <laughs> so that's my theological drop there. <laughs> yeah, so after that, you know, the whole point of college for me was just the whole time I was thinking, this is it, I'm going to be able to give my parents whatever they want, I'm going to make money and whatnot. That was my goal. And then mm. Jesus met me in my last year of college and everything changed. You know, I mm -hmm. really, really felt this strong calling to missions, to the least of these especially. Mm -hmm. And coming from a country where poverty itself, it's such a high rate. It was very strong in me. So my parents almost got a heart attack mm -hmm. yeah. when I told them I wanted to be a missionary. They're like, what is that? You're signing up for poverty the rest of your life. I graduated as valedictorian in my class. And they're like, what are you doing? Like, you've always been so determined. Now you're just dropping everything. Because obviously at the time they didn't understand. Yeah, so I went to a missionary school after that, right after college. Mm. Worked with American church planters and uh, humanitarian groups groups that would arrive to mm -hmm. Bolivia, either translating or being the liaison. And I converted in 2010. By 2015, I was just... It 
incredibly frustrated that there weren't really great opportunities in my country to go forward in what I wanted to do. Mm. I remember one day vividly, I was helping some women leave a human trafficking situation and Mm -hmm. we could not get them any help and we're just sitting on the sidewalk and I was just like, God... This is impossible. Like, if you've called me to this, you need to equip me as well, because this is super frustrating. Mm. So Mm. at the time, I was working with a nonprofit, and a former student from Denver Seminary moved to Bolivia as a volunteer there. Uh And when she saw me in the work I was doing, she was like, girl, you should get more education in the U.S. because you love this. And I was like, yeah, like, I could ever afford to move to the U.S. or even pay a semester of Denver Seminary. She was like, you know, people sometimes raise support to go to ministry. And I had no clue. Again, it's one of those moments that I was like, okay, God is really calling me to this. So (laughs) long story short, I grabbed the $20 I had, and that's all I brought into the U.S. when I first moved in, and God opened every single door. This was in 2000, early 2017 that I started going to Denver Seminary to get a master's in biblical justice and mission, Mm. and where I ended up now at this church. Wow. Misha, thank you for sharing all that. And among all that, what I love is, because I really do believe it's a biblical truth, when God calls, God does equip, Mm -hmm. sometimes in ways that I can't see right off the bat, but it's a guarantee. If God calls, God will equip. And you're a living testimony to that. Thank you. Tell me a little bit about your ministry now through the church and in Denver. Yeah, so we've been going through a lot of transition. The church is starting in 2018. January 2018. So it's been, as any church plan, it's been rough the first five years. You know, if you can make it through that, then they say the probability is much higher. Mm -hmm. Just in the past three years, three different churches have closed in the same neighborhood. So where we are right now, it's considered the highest delinquency and most at-risk neighborhood of the Denver metro area. Hmm. We have a lot of low-income immigrant, a mix of Vietnamese, Latin, African-American, and white neighborhood. So a lot of what we do both during church service and outreaches and whatnot and everything we do has to do with all those cultures living with each other. So what I do specifically is I am in charge of all the outreaches and that has to do with the community care. That has switched a little bit lately because we wanted to accommodate to what was relevant with the immigration Mm -hmm. situation in the country. And, you know, Denver has welcomed a lot of immigrant families. So with that, we also felt like we had a responsibility to be God's hands and feet in that area as well. Mm -hmm. Just helping families giving them the first push to settle themselves in the country. Understanding their language has been such a blessing because a lot of communities want to help, but they're not able to even communicate. So to do that, to present Jesus to them in a tangible way, you know, with food, with clothing, we partner with some free legal advice for them, health services, helping them get their first apartment when they have zero history of ever 
living in the U.S., you know, and I went through that as an immigrant. So right. what you were saying with being equipped, that's one of the things that I never thought yeah. that it had a point, a positive point, at least. And this past season, I've been like, wow, you know, everything I went through, in a sense, helps me understand exactly where they are when mm -hmm. you just come and you're like, I just literally don't even know how to do self-checkout in a grocery shop. Right. I don't know how right. to put gas in my car because most of the countries they put gas for you and here you have to do it yourself and I remember crying the first time I had to go through that and the other day I, I had a lady crying for that and I was like trust me it will get better I know that so <laughs> just walking with them alongside that whole situation of leaving everything behind and moving to a new country it's yeah. it's been a lot of work but it's been we've definitely seen God show up there. Yeah. I also preach at the church. I preach once a month. So whatever the Sunday sermon series may be, I join in that as well. It's three pastors. We have a lead pastor, a hospitality pastor, and then me. Mm -hmm. So we also gather to obviously shape the discipleship, the discipleship pathway, the pastoring, shepherding of our congregation. And mm. as any small church, we multitask our best capacity. Right. So what our job description says, is just a glimpse of what we actually do. Of everything you're saying, Misha, it seems like you have really found traction in helping these people and reaching out to them. I'm wondering among all that you're doing, are there roadblocks? What are the biggest challenges to serving these people in ways that they need? Absolutely. There's a lot of frustration to what we can actually do as a church as Christ followers, but also as being part of a system. You know, you can only do so much when the rest of the system is not really working right. in the same way that you're trying to make it work. So we are all part of a system. And if one part is doing something and the other one is not there, then we all suffer the consequences. So right. there's people that have told me, like, I want to get an apartment and I brought some money to do that. And trust me, I am a good renter and all of that. And then I've had people say, I literally don't want to rent to those people right. like that. I don't want to rent because I don't know their language and I don't know who they are. And they seem like good people, but I just don't want to risk it because I have no way to know if they're actually who they say they are. And it's like, yeah. I get it too, you know? Yeah. Same with right. education. You know, some schools are amazing at accommodating kids in the middle of the year yep. or wherever right. they come. And some schools are like, yeah, you know what? It's going to be too hard because our teachers are not bilingual, so we can't take them. So then moms are like, is my child going to stay uneducated? kid and then I'm, right. obviously am I going to get in trouble because are they going to think I don't want to put my kid to school mm -hmm. it's all those things you know and also it's nerve-wracking as well because you do get close to this family some of these families I talk to every single day because yeah. in a sense I've become their family here right and right. to know like yeah. they have an appointment in the government's office and they could decide right there on the spot you know what we're just gonna deport you right now it's nerve-wracking for them this is not about me so I'm not saying like oh poor me but it also is nerve-wracking for me because I'm like I've seen all the progress you've made right. I've seen all the roadblocks you've had to go through and you're getting there so I would hate to see you go so it is good work but it's hard work for sure yeah the work you're doing on the front lines is so important but so hard what sustains you and your faith through it oh God's presence God's word 
you could start feeling really crazy. Like in this work, it's like, am I really going against a whole system or am I really going against a lot of power? Like what's sustaining me? And for mm -hmm. me, it's to know that God says over and over again, when the foreigner comes because they've had to leave for a drought, for a famine, for a war, for a difficult situation, which is the biblical word ger, that's the type of foreigner that the Bible's talking about. Mm -hmm. You must treat them like you're native born. That is a high, high standard for us to say, I'll treat you as if you were born in the same place as I have with the same rights, with the same dignity, with the same love and respect. So I have to remind myself that when they are treated any different or when I'm treated, because I've experienced it as well sometimes, right. I have to remember this is not God's way. So what can I do to continue God's way? And that comes with responsibilities too, right? Like immigrants are also called to follow the law to where they have moved. So right. to also disciple people in that way right. and help them understand now that you have moved here, you must abide by the rules here. And that is part of the mourning process of leaving everything behind. Sometimes it's amazing because you're leaving violence, you're leaving famines, you're leaving war, etc. But sometimes it's, wow, I'm also leaving my identity and what mm -hmm. I'm used to every day for something new. But because I respect and I'm thankful to this new place, I'm going to follow that. So it's a lot of discipleship. It's a lot of keeping my eyes in the scripture and in continue sensing, God, you care about us. Mm -hmm. You care about them and you care about us immigrants. And therefore, this is part of my work here. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that you would agree with me that faith is never static. We're always growing. Yeah. We're always learning more. We're going deeper. Absolutely. How have these experiences in this ministry changed your faith or grown your faith or shifted it to different things? That's an interesting question. It's been a really difficult personal time for me and my husband. It's been a really, really hard year. And also to, in a sense, to see people suffering, all the ones that we are serving, it has just brought a lot more awareness and compassion to understand because you can relate better as if everything was going fine in your life. It will be harder to relate, I guess. So to be able to relate and to have compassion of understanding what it's like to be an immigrant, what it's like to be a woman, yeah. what it's like to come from a vulnerable background and trying to race up in a different society. There's so many pieces that God uses to equip. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, it's his presence that equips us because it helps us see all those things that may look as weaknesses or disadvantages, and they become a testimony thing. They just serve as a, as a testimony, as a secondary thing that God uses for his glory. So it is all about his presence, which we need to, or I need to seek every single day. If not, I could stay the whole day in bed just wondering about life. No no need to get up at all. No hope, no nothing, you know. And with that, there's been a scripture that's been in my mind so much on a personal level, but also with all these families and especially women that are the ones that I get to work with. And it's in Proverbs 31 about the woman. And obviously it could relate to men because ultimately it's about this woman who fears the Lord. And mm -hmm. there's one specific verse that I keep telling myself every single day. And it's, she's clothed with strength and dignity and she laughs without fear of the future. Mm -hmm. And I find that impossible to do unless 
God is there, unless mm-hmm. you know that in that future, God is already there. God is already in control. So it is his strength in my weakness. And he gives me dignity that my sin and brokenness tried to take away. So I can laugh. Yeah. I'm scared. I am fearful, but I can laugh at all of that because God, I fear the Lord and he's with me. So that's how. That's great. <laughs> you came to faith, you said, by reading the Bible straight through were you involved in a church in Bolivia before you came to the United States? Yes, yes, absolutely. After that, I found yeah. out there are Christian churches, so I joined one. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> what are the biggest differences you've seen between the churches in Bolivia and the churches you know in the United States? Yeah. Church in Bolivia, it's very Pentecostal, I would say. Christian church is Christian church, but here in the U.S., we obviously divide them by denomination. So I would say the way it functions, it's pretty Pentecostal in their worship, in their liturgy, if any. Mm -hmm. But also something that I keep looking for here in the U.S. is that because of that awareness of the Holy Spirit, People, especially young people, are so energetic and so willing to put their lives and their time for the church to continue God's work here. So mm-hmm. I've seen people that literally like drop everything, like right after work, go to the church and they're just walking around asking, what can I do? Do you need that painted? Do you need me to carry this? Do you want me to help? Like, <laughs> it's like a hunger and a thirst yeah. that because we get paid in the U.S. to do church work, yeah. I don't sense that because people, I believe, have that feeling of, well, you get paid for that, so then you do it. So I would say that is the biggest difference. Wow. Wow. Misha, we really appreciate you being involved with one of our cohorts in the Denver area. What's that experience been like? It has been amazing. It's always good work. We all keep growing in our faith and it challenges us as well. So it has been a great experience for me. We really appreciate it. You've already mentioned one very key scripture, but I'm wondering if you have another scripture that is really feeding your soul right now. When Jesus is already crucified, I've been thinking of this so much lately, when he's already crucified and he feels so abandoned by God, Mm -hmm. God the Father, and he just says, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, Mm -hmm. which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? But this season, I've come to find out that even though he says that, he still stays in the cross. Mm -hmm. And I told God, that's what I wanted to be my posture because I feel like God has been so silent with me this past year, not really getting much guidance from him, feedback. As I say, I, I, it's not prayer time. It's a monologue because I'm like, you're not really (laughs) responding. So here I am again mentioning and I found myself saying those words, where are you Lord? But at the same time, I will continue to pick up my cross and follow you. Thank you so much for your directness and honesty and and what you've shared with us. Really appreciate it. Continued blessings, Misha, on your ministry there. Thank you. It is so needed, and we'll continue to pray for you and encourage you in every way we can. Thank you. I appreciate you guys so much. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Ministry Collaborative Podcast. A project of the Macedonian Ministry Foundation. The Ministry Collaborative nurtures a national network of pastors and congregations committed to faithful, creative, and courageous engagement in their communities. Our producer is Marthane Sanders. To find out more about our work of cultivating leadership that makes a difference in congregations and communities, visit our website at www.ministrycollaborative.org.